game is so beautiful, you know. Come play. The page dynasty is the newest rage. Maybe you've played, maybe you've made a trade. Played list, and now these fish are all up on ya. I mean, you won three ships, they wish they had your. So, this is it. You wanna learn the game. 101 pick when it hits, you feel no pain. Praying for the fantasy championship. Hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Owner's Manual. It's automatic D- dynasty. It, it's automatic owner's manual. It, it, it's automatic D- dynasty. It, it's automatic. <laughs> and here are your authors: Chris Allen and A- A- Adam Wildy. All right, everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Chris Allen of the Dynasty Owners Manual Podcast, and I'm Adam Wildy. And I've got the foreword for you today before we get into the manual. So last week we sat down with Brian Malone, uh, Season 2, Episode 1, and talked about his work with the Cohort Report. If you haven't heard about it yet, I suggest going to read it. It's phenomenal. The tool will put you way ahead of your league mates, I can promise you that. And uh, it's uh, a pay-as-you-can basis, which I think is awesome. We've also got the brand expanding, so you guys already know about Debbie Owner's Manual with Andrew Harbaugh and Dwight Peebles. They're doing a great job. Now we've got Best Ball Owner's Manual hosted by Brad Reyes, so we're extremely excited for that to come out. The last thing, we have new swag available, and it's uh, available via FF Outfitters, FF underscore Outfitters on Twitter. So go check them out and go fleet. Absolutely, and I'm hoping everybody's enjoying uh, the new style, a uh, new brand of football that we have in front of us uh, this evening. So hopefully everybody's getting out to check that out tonight. But as we're sitting there having this conversation and everybody's talking about the AAF, uh, we're here tonight uh, with one of the, I want to say, the, the hottest co-hosts uh, out there on the market right now. Uh, a man that I had, as I spoke on Twitter earlier this week, I had the wonderful pleasure of meeting uh, last year when a bunch of us got together in Cincinnati to sit down and uh, you know converse with each other in person. But we have uh, the wonderful J. Mike of the Open Bar and also of the Dynasty Dummies. J. Mike, again, uh, thank you for taking the time uh, to come and sit down and talk with us. And uh, we want to kind of hop right in and actually talk about what you do on the show. I mean, can you give us a quick backstage pass to the open bar and kind of talk to us about, you know, what's it like? I mean, because I've sat down. I mean, I haven't listened to the show, I mean, since its inception. But over the past year or so, sitting down and watching both you and Gabe and listening to, you know, also having the opportunity to sit down with you guys on the show. I mean, the show can get wild, man. I mean, you guys have two, four, I mean, six guests, like, you know, on the call at a time. So how do you guide the discussion as you have multiple voices and multiple people and personalities on there at the same time? Man, it is uh, <laughs> it is quite the chore at times. But uh, I get, first of all, thank you guys very much for having me. I'm incredibly grateful to be here with you. But as far as backstage to the open bar, uh, yeah, t- take a seat and uh, let's go for a, a first class ride here uh, down the open bar express. Uh, first and foremost, when you're trying to get everyone there, uh, usually Gabe and I are ripping and running beforehand just to make sure um, that we have everybody set, everyone in Google Hangouts, and nobody's restricted and accesses and all that stuff and, and whatnot. Uh, but beyond that, once we actually hit go, 
uh, and, and the cameras go live and, and the show begins. Uh, it's an absolute blast, but at times it can really be trying just to try to be able to guide discussion. Uh, and, and because the whole premise behind it is making sure that it's just like you're at a bar with your boys, chopping it up, talking life, talking football, whatever comes up and le- legitimately just having a good time with it. But beyond that, we do want people to glean various perspectives, various understandings, various styles as it pertains to uh, doing the actual thing that we all enjoy and what we came to do, which is dynasty fo- fantasy football. So uh, it's a ton of fun. It's a lot of work, uh, to be honest. Uh, but the good thing is there's no editing. Like everything that goes in goes in uh, and, and we just go to work. So it, it's an absolute blast to be able to do it. And Gabe, uh, my certainly my better half. Uh, as everyone know, he is Mr. Uh, it's automatic, uh, as far as the, the, the pods, uh, theme, theme show goes, or theme song goes, but, uh, it, it's a, it's a ton of fun and, and, and the greatest thing is being able to get perspectives from everyone else. Right. I couldn't imagine one second of having to go back and edit any one of those shows. I mean, with, with as much, you know, ripping and, you know, and, 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 you know, everybody talking over each other and stating their opinions and whatnot and the laughter and whatnot. I mean, I couldn't imagine trying to sit down and come up with their even decide like, okay, well, let me cut this person's you know time down. Let me cut out this opinion. Let me do that. I would never want to have that job. You can't. There's no way you could have, you could do that at all. So, I mean, talking about like for as long as the show has been going on, can you tell us like one of your favorite moments on the show? Like, it could be for uh, you know, one of the craziest moments, one of the funniest moments. I mean, anything that comes that sticks out in your mind is one of the, I guess the iconic moments of, of the open bar. <laughs> We've got, <laughs> we've got so many, and I don't I don't say that boastfully. Just a bunch of randomness that tends to always happen. Um, some of my favorite highlights. Uh, we've had a few iterations of Ladies Night, uh, where we bring uh, specifically Katie Flower comes through. Casey Kasem, you guys know uh, Casey. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, Lorna Rose, um, the Mighty LR on Twitter. Uh, just we, we've had so many iterations of of that being so fantastic. Um, we've got the Wubba Lubba Chub Chub where the t-shirts came from uh, and and that being something that's hilarious um, one of probably my favorites was when Gabe I actually had to host the show by myself for the first time because Gabe was celebrating his <laughs> he was celebrating his anniversary with his wife and he even like came on later on in the show while he's like driving away from dinner with his wife and somehow some way the link got out to like four or five other people and so Doug Eddie came through and the 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 uh, fantasy football gurus came through um we were legitimately eight deep and I was hosting like for my first time and I was panicking but it all worked out it was a ton of fun the the audio wasn't the greatest <laughs> but but in typical open bar fashion it always works out and it's it's a ton of fun and a lot of people got a, a lot of fun out of it so it was, it was fantastic and uh, i guess trying to build off of that so you mentioned earlier i mean I, i've sit i've sat down and listened to peter howard i mean uh, zach i mean you had jordan mcnamara you know just uh, just recently i mean so many smart folks and so many smart minds that you've had uh, guested on the show can you tell me one of the most valuable lessons or perspectives that you've learned speaking with so many folks on the show the the perspective and, and that's the really that's probably my favorite part of the entire deal itself is the fact that I, I think people overrate um to some degree what what i do actually on the show or what i bring to the show i like to ask questions to get smart people talking to be able to spark conversation 
and also gain perspective because this is I just finished my second year in Dynasty and I don't to a large degree I don't have a clue and that's the beauty of it is because I get to be able to take all these different perspectives I get to try some of them out I get to test in my brain like okay this logistically doesn't make a ton of sense and I get to even question people as to why Um, last off season we had excuse me last non-point scoring season I'm sorry about that outhouse Uh, as far (laughs) as as far as this, the scouting time, we had Matt Waldman on and legitimately it was like listening. And I wasn't never cl- uh, close to my grandfather, but it was legitimately like listening to your grandfather tell you stories about how uh, scouting should be and about what I'm looking for and about why this player will translate his skills to the next level. And it was it was fantastic. So uh, between guys who have been in it a ton of time, uh, like Matt Wallman to the Dynasty Dummies, who um, th- their perspective I feel like is pretty unique to most folks in Dynasty. To someone like Peter Howard, uh, who's as brash as he is and will question and push on everything, uh, <laughs> and, and also, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, and obviously you guys know him, so it's, this is not news to him, and it's not news to people who know him because Peter's great. But but it's definitely a case where everyone comes together and i think that Derek mccree said it best uh the ffrx on twitter um from, from the the now defunct gutfields podcast Derek says this that the open bar is the center point uh where fantasy football and fun meet and you can come literally the the big boys of fantasy to the folks who are just starting and you can come and be yourself and be accepted and have a good time and learn and grow so uh that those are th- those are all things that i feel like encompass the experience that is the open bar Man, I could talk about the open bar all night. First, I wish you would have told me ahead of time that you didn't know too much, J. Mike, because guess why? I drafted Rojo. Wait a tick here. Oh, man. But anyways, Chris and I came on the open bar when we had about just started and we're like, oh my goodness, these guys are giving us an opportunity to go on their show. And since then, we've been on a few shows and Chris will tell you we love going on other shows. There's no organization from us. There's no show sheet. We just show up and we get to talk. But, Jay, Mike, you hit on one of the most valuable points that people will be able to take away from this episode. And it, you don't have to learn how to grind the tape. And you don't know how to read Peter. need to learn how to read Peter's spreadsheets. You just <laughs> need to know to listen to Peter. <laughs> and the thing is... There is an art to knowing who to listen to. I'm not telling you to be lazy. I'm not either telling you to go judge everybody on their hits and misses because that's a dangerous path to go down as well. But you have to put the analytics together with the film, which is why I have that funny poll up today, which is about 50-50. It's hilarious. I have analytics versus film, and it's sitting at 50-50 with 200 votes. How crazy is that? But, yeah, that's kind of what the open bar means to me. And the, the other thing about the open bar that's great is you can be laying on the couch just waiting for your dinner to be done, and I tune in. And then I have to get up to go actually make dinner. So you cancel out YouTube. You come sit back down to eat your dinner, and you can throw your phone up right in front of you, and you're watching the open bar again, and you're picking up on the next segment. You guys just have something great going there. So what I want you to get into, since you're our resident open bar expert, is when you're hearing so many opinions and so many takes and, and analysis, how do you sift through all of those inputs to actually form your own opinion when you go to draft in your league? 
And that's a fantastic question because I, I am a uh, podcastaholic, if you will. So besides the opinions and whatnot that I'm taking in of the folks that come on the pod, it's also the case where I'm listening to a ton of opinions and whatnot of, of those who are actually, like you said, putting in the work and doing other podcasts to be able to uh, help educate others. The, the way that I most uh, the way that I try to parse most things out is that I ask questions. Uh, I ask questions upon questions upon questions. So no matter what the take is, no matter how wild I may think that it is, uh, I tend to always ask the questions that push on the opposite viewpoint, not necessarily because I'm trying to be a jerk and not necessarily because I'm trying to um, make anyone look back. That's never the case. The whole point is, if, if you believe in something strong enough, which a lot of people do who do the who do film great or who do the numbers great, your Peter Howard's, your your Zach Reeves, your Travis Mays, all those all those people who legitimately put in work. Uh, th- there are tons of people who do it. And the main thing that I want to know is why is this the case? Because I can't take it just because you said it, because you can say a lot of things and you sound really good saying it, which is fantastic. But can you tell me why it's this and not that? Because one anecdotal piece of evidence will not do it. Uh, and one statistic will not show it. Uh, can, can you lay out your body of work? Can you articulate that well enough to be able to help us all understand what exactly makes sense? So um, that's that's a lot of what I like to do. And even in the instances where I'm not listening to folks on the show, um, again, with these podcasts or in these other leagues that I'm in with a lot of people, Will D, I'm in a couple leagues with you. Uh, Chris, I don't believe we have that pleasure yet. Not uh, yet. But hopefully, it's coming. Hopefully we'll get that down the line. Uh, but, but I'm also going behind the scenes in dms and in boxer chats and in group me chats and i just talk one-on-one with folks will they not just pull it off for trade uh, i had been chasing juju for i don't know how long uh, <laughs> so so between juju and carry on on Wildy's team when he first took over the orphan in this league i was like hey i'm interested here and he's like oh, i'm not feeling it. <laughs> i was like okay great so as time goes on we just keep conversing and we talk mm-hmm. through our values and for a while we were we were way off in how we looked at uh, several players um, but as time came forward uh, our strategies changed a little bit our minds changed a little bit uh, and we were able to grow in what we knew uh, and we actually came to a conclusion so it was I think uh, the deal ended up being Nick Chubb uh, in a league where we're running back running backs don't move teams very often so I, I gave up Nick Chubb to be able to get uh, I think Juju Smith-Schuster and Alex Collins so this literally took this like three weeks ago uh, and so um, it was a case where I'm hurting at wide receiver in a major way and need help. Uh, and he just decided, hey, I might as well pay to get a running back because my team very much needs it as well. So um, being able to, to converse with people, articulate, and make sure that I'm I'm growing in that sense is also huge as well. And that's a fun rabbit hole to go down because there's a couple things we could take away from that. One being that we kept conversation going. It's easier when you're friendly with people and you know people. Um, but you could do the same thing with strangers. Keep that door open. The the conversation should never end in you being frustrated with each other. If somebody disagrees with you on a player value, well, you might not get that player from them at this time, but you might get a different player from them down the road. And, uh, you know, you get a fair trade done with somebody and things get a lot easier. Now, that league is very tough. That is the worst orphan I've ever taken over. Um, but what I've learned when I entered that league is that nobody's moving running backs so to me that means i have to do everything in my power to obtain running back and and it's not not a case where i could kind of pivot to wide receiver because as you alluded to jay mike 
uh, running backs a little overpowered. I forget what the exact stat is. If you know, jump in. I don't know if it's point per first down or point per carry, but I do know running back is far superior to wide receiver in that league. So I tried to do the whole like acquired juju and pivot thing. I just won't score enough points. So now I've got carry on, I've got Chubb, and I think I've got uh, Royce Freeman. We'll see what happens there. But I learned to adapt. So that's the third thing to take away from that conversation is just because in one league you don't want to give Juju for Chubb even straight up, which in a lot of leagues I wouldn't, you kind of have to suck it up and make it happen given your league situation. So that was the situation where I had to suck it up and put my Juju love to the side. But, J. Mike, back to the original conversation. So for those new or even within their first few dynasty seasons, what would you recommend to them on how to start taking in information? <laughs> that's And that's the thing, too. As, as dynasty continues to move forward, even in, even in legitimately the two years that I've been doing this, and I think the year and a half, uh, almost two years that we've been doing the open bar together, Gabe and I, uh, dynasty in terms of content is, is starting to blow up. You're finding everyone and their mom wants to write. Everyone and their mom wants to pod. Everybody and their mom wants to have a YouTube show and do different things. So um, being able to find the right content and being able to rely on people who uh, you feel are respected. And one of the ways that I find that is continuing to network on Twitter. Uh, again, I don't have a ton of tweets that I, where I'm pushing out a ton of stats about, you know, this player and why this person so much better than the other. But when you get in these conversations, you get in these networks and you see these threads that are happening, you're able to ask questions. And a lot of people are willing to interact with you. Uh, so for the folks listening, the two guys that host this podcast, they're incredibly willing to interact with you. Uh, even even though you, you don't necessarily know them, even though you may not have spent any time with them, uh, being in leads with them and meeting them in real life, a couple of down to earth dudes. So when you're able to get in these conversations, particularly on Twitter, uh, particularly respected websites, whether it be your Dynasty League footballs uh, and, and the like, uh, using and leveraging these tools uh, can help you become a sharper player and help you become someone who's more comfortable uh, with the aspect of no longer seeing the game in this redraft, very singular mindset, but thinking a few years down the road and how do you set yourself to be successful moving forward? Um, th- that that was my biggest thing. Twitter became something that uh, <laughs> I, I leverage on a daily basis on and. Uh, sadly, sad to say, probably and you know, every couple hour basis it, it, on certain days where, where I'm constantly in it and constantly seeing things. So, uh, th- those are the various ways that I feel it's probably important and even the easiest and the most non-threatening, uh, in terms of uh, getting information and parsing through that. No, and I think you're absolutely right in the fact that we can use some of the, I guess the most the simplest way in order to get some of our questions answered is just like what you said, Jay Mike, just, just ask the question. I think a lot of folks you'll find will be very amenable to answering your questions as long as you're willing to ask it. And not in, in, not in the sense that, well, I think the player should be projected this way or your rankings are terrible or whatever. But if you come at somebody respectfully, of course, they'll probably most likely give you that same energy back and... Most of the ways that I've come across talking with many of the folks that you know, all of us would consider friends, acquaintances, or whatever the term that you want to use, a lot of them came from just asking those questions. Uh, I think it was uh, a thread that Adam was having uh, with Mr. Rec Fantasy himself, uh, Bobby Koch, and it was just that's how we we got to talking and whatnot. And the same thing for for Peter and Jake, uh, you know, for the Dino Crossroads. I mean, a lot of it just came from stemmed from 
having these back and forth conversations about either players or trades or production or projections, and that's how some of these uh, that's how some of these friendships and relationships kind of they spawn from just having conversations. And back to what you guys do at the open bar, you allow people to just kind of let the hair down and just say like, "Well, no, I think that's a terrible take." But it's you know it's amongst friends, it's amongst boys, it's amongst people that at least have an understanding of where you're coming from when you make those types of statements. So I think for a lot of folks, just hopping on Twitter. Hopping on your uh, hopping on your local forums or whatever you know messaging system that you might have, and just having those conversations amongst friends can help foster some of your understanding and help deepen your knowledge as uh, as a dynasty manager. Uh, but looking, uh, trying to again now take the process and now turning it into something that people can apply using some of your knowledge and some of the things that you've been you've been talking about with some of these people I guess what's been your general approach for for this upcoming rookie class uh, has anything uh, do you have any current takes or is your approach you think it's going to evolve as we start to learn more because we've still got the combine we've still got the draft and all that so kind of where are you at or where are you at currently with this class and, and Wildy, you will be pleased um, I've come a long way since just loving Rojo. Um, and, and I saw a ton of Rojo and I was just a big fan of the player himself and how he got downhill quick. And yeah. I thought, and, you know, there's still hope for him. Obviously, one year does not make a career. Uh, but this last year was incredibly disappointing. I will take the L for now. <laughs> but as far as the 2019 class, um, one of the tools that I've been able to leverage and again, uh, I shout them out frequently because they're instrumental in my growth as well as just the ability of me being able to do a podcast for them as well but uh the the dynasty dummies zach reed and kyle lebrecht uh particularly zach in the in the area of film analysis or being able to break down film so i'm not necessarily a grinder at heart i did play football my entire life basically all the way from age seven through college and so it, it is something to where i know the game to some degree but being able to uh sit down with him ask him questions as it pertains to what's he what is he looking for what is he grading for when he does his film analysis um he's someone who notices nuances that very few people <laughs> i feel like can can see and be able to articulate well uh, and he does it again in a in a way that is very clear for people to understand and so when i break down this class a long way to answer your question here chris so i apologize but one of the ways that i break down this class um as much as some people may not like it because it doesn't have the head and shoulders talent above like a couple of the other classes like Zeke Elliott's, your Leonard Fournette's, your Saquon's, your, you know, and, and the list goes on and on. Um, there's a lot of quality to be had. And so even if you're not loving the one-on-one, someone that I do like a ton in this class um, is one David Montgomery. I think that he's someone, while you don't, <laughs> and while he's not someone that I feel like is knocking the socks off of everyone at this point, he is a player who has good vision, who has good quickness and runs and finishes runs well. Uh, he's someone that can be used in the passing game. And so he's someone that you can probably see an immediate return on your investment when you take him early in your drafts this year. And you're going to see him as someone who's probably going to be gaining value, uh, particularly after the rookie season, where if you're taking him at whatever point in the startup, you can see that rising several rounds uh, by the end of the season. So David Montgomery someone I like a lot. Uh, one of the receivers that I like a ton as well, Kelvin Harmon. I feel like he's tough at the catch point. He's a very good player, solid player. Um, and and someone that I feel like a lot of people love. Just be, and, and it's really interesting when you watch him. 
I don't know if I necessarily like him at 101, but someone who wins just about every single moment of truth ball, in, in the great words of Steve Smith, the wide receiver, moment of truth, Nikhil Harry, you're not going to see someone, yeah. you're not going to see someone high point and go take a, take a my ball, uh, more often than he does. So he's, what he lacks in separation, uh, he, he definitely makes up for in terms of going up and getting. So, um, those are just a few players that I'm, I'm pretty high on this, this draft season. And that's, and that's actually a great point. And I think that kind of as we learn more and as more of the community starts to dig into the, either it's the tape, the analytics, it's kind of as our collective knowledge grows, you start to hear more player names start to get thrown out in the conversation of who's going to be your 1.01. And I think you guys had a really fascinating discussion on the same topic uh, just this past week on the open bar, where it's just, at least to me personally, I would say over the last, let's say maybe four to six weeks, I think it was more of a, if you were to ask a, a dynasty manager who's your 1.01, it would be kind of a shrug, Nikhil Harry. And that was pretty much the, the go of it for, for the most part. But now, as a lot of people started to dig into the tape, looked at a few more things, well, you start to hear some other players and their names start to be brought up in contention. And I think that's the, the beauty of what we do and the beauty of the community that we're a part of is you start to listen to some of these voices. It's like we don't always have to accept the answer that's being thrown out 90 or 75% of the time. There are also some not necessarily hidden gems, but other people that we should start paying attention to. Uh, So now kind of shifting away from the rookies, I just want to, I've been asking folks because I have been of a different, slightly different mindset, but at least kind of wanted to get your opinion on it. Damien Williams, man. I mean, what, what are we doing with, what are we doing with Damien Williams? I mean, after what he was able to produce uh, in the, for the Chiefs in the playoffs, we've got the contract extension thrown in there. I mean, obviously the cream hunt situation. So it looks like he's going to be, it looks like he's going to be the guy, but when it comes to dynasty owners, I've, I've heard both ways. I've heard people that are, give me as much Damian Williams as I could possibly get. I've heard other people that say, depending on what you can get for him, I'm all the way out. So what has your approach been to somebody as I would say, split uh, i guess contentious as the damien williams uh, situation so polarizing right i mean this, this is a guy who was wildly successful in the moments and the time that he got but when we put the entire piece of the puzzle together and and a lot of people do it and we just happen to land in different places so with someone like damien williams uh, and let's if you can if everyone again hop aboard the open bar express let's t- travel back in time to the beginning of the 2017 season. One Damian Williams is in Miami and he's playing, yes, third fiddle. And he's behind someone named Frank Gore and also behind a guy named Kenyon Drake. So Damian Williams is chilling, doing his thing, living life. Everything is great, right? And so finally, uh, he gets pressed into service. And even in Miami, he's, eh, and he gets a little bit of run, and even Kenyon Drake becomes someone who outduels him for the job there. So we move forward. He finds his way into Kansas City by some strange way of, of life. Kareem Hunt is the guy. Spencer Ware is coming back from a terrible injury. And Damian Williams is yet again third on the depth chart. So now we go through the season. Kareem Hunt has his misgivings. Sad but true. Hey, now he's cast aside. Spencer Ware gets his opportunity yet again after being the number one guy in 17 to come back and be the guy again after Hunt leaves. Ware can't stay healthy yet again, sadly, still coming back and battling the same old injuries. So now Damian Williams steps in to an offense that is 
as potent as we've seen ever right so so as good as the greatest show on turf rams as good as anybody that you want to be able to talk through and he's wildly successful successful in doing so now he's not kareem hunt successful but he is someone who was putting up major points and helping you win games now after all of that he gets a deal uh he he gets this the spencer wear extension if you will and as we look back it doesn't mean as much as it sounds as it pertains to a lot of people can succeed in this offense and just because they gave you this little bit of money doesn't mean that you you won't be usurped right and so to be able to say at this point that he's worth uh and, and this is as risky as a gamble as it is if you're if you're willing to push in your chips and say, hey, I'm going to pay what it takes to get him because I don't think that they're going to draft above him or sign above him, then good freaking luck because I, <laughs> I'm i not the one that's going to be taking that risk and holding the bag because the last two seasons he's, he's shown that he potentially hasn't shown the coaches that he can be more than the third string guy in multiple instances. We can blame Gase all we want for mismanagement, but when he got to Kansas City, he was still the third guy. <laughs> so even though he showed well, and it was for the few games that he did it, uh, you know what? Great. Bravo. I'm proud of you, bro. And, and go get your money. But I'm not going to be the one holding the bag when he either gets drafted above or signed above or in tandem with whomever you may, in, you know, insert name. You know, Andy Reid's made a lot of running backs a lot of money over the years, right? So, so the only reason that I know a name like Corel Buckhalter, I'm not an Eagles fan, <laughs> right? Corel Buckhalter, because Andy Reid makes him known. Like the list goes on and on between Deuce Daly, Brian Westbrook, and through history. Like it, it's absurd how many running backs find success under him. So, um, if you want, if you want to pay the price to get him, great. It could pay great dividends for you. I'm of the opinion that it's not the play for me to try to pay up to get Damian Williams, but if you have him and, and you can get a King's ransom, go do it. Now, this is the part that's hard for me because everybody knows my opinion on Jarek McKinnon last season. Now you have Damian Williams, and I'm kind of on the other side of the fence. Now, <laughs> here's the difference here. No, Damian Williams is not better than Jarek McKinnon. That's not where I'm going to take this. The Chiefs have just seen that there's absolutely no reason to bring another running back in. It, any running back's going to be successful in that system. I think that Spencer Ware would have had that extension had he not have been injured. He looked fine. I liked Spencer Ware when he was healthy, when he was uh, the RB1 there. So that's the problem. That's why it's such a difficult question because, J. Mike, I'm almost always on your side in this situation. Just get what you can. And we talked about this last week, and you all will hear in the episode with Brian Malone where we said that it doesn't matter that you got him off the waivers. He's worth what he's worth now. So I'm not saying you got him off waivers. Go ahead and sell him for a fourth. You got something. No, that's not the deal here. But, yeah, you can sell him and get your mid-second. I'd be extremely happy with a mid-second. I don't think you're going to get any earlier than that. But, I mean, if you send a mid-second, why is Kansas City going to get another running back? Now you're betting on practical coaching, practical front office, practical management, that's scary too. It's such a tough situation. I know if I were the Kansas City Chiefs, I just gave them that extension that was pretty friendly for them. I'm not drafting another running back. I'm not getting another running back in free agency. Just keep giving Damian Williams the ball and Patrick Mahomes is going to do his thing and they're going to spread them out and any running back is going to be successful there. So, if you want to put your chips in there, Damian Williams 
very likely could be a running back one next season, and he's not old either. So that might be one of the tougher questions that we've had in a while. It's just a buyer beware, very much buyer beware. So like you just said, if you if that and if that's what you believe and you know, whomever may be listening to this, happy? if that's what you believe and that's where you stand, then by golly, go get him and, and more power to you. I hope it does work out for you. I don't want to see people flop in the NFL. Like, that's no fun. I don't enjoy that. Uh, but at the same time, to, to, for for a guy to come in consistently not show enough to be further on the jet chart than number three in two different places, uh, to show well in whatever number of games, which, you know, we take sample sizes for what they are, uh, for, for however many games down the stretch there where he was successful, he played well. All those things are true. Can't knock any of that. I'm, I'm, I just, I, again, this is where I, I lean on letting the smart people answer the question, uh, because I just want to pose it, you know, the, the, the price. And, and, and to, to your point, Wildy, I don't think that anybody's coming up off of Damian Williams for anywhere close to a mid-second. I think that if you have Damian Williams, the person's probably, specifically in this draft class where most people are trashing it, people are wanting, Probably mid to late first at worst for Damian Williams. It, you if see, they're going to come up off of. You see, I'm hearing that too, but that's what makes them a hold for me because yep. sellers do want a mid first because if you have Damian Williams, you saw him put up consecutive 30 point games last year, and you're biased towards your players. Everybody's players are better when they're on their roster, and I understand that. And that's where we're getting that mid first to late first figure from. But I don't think that those are actually happening, and that's why it's such a hard player. Because if you have him, you want that mid first, that late first. If you're buying him, the risk only is worth it when you get to that mid second range. I mean, there are some players that are going to be in the back of this first. I mean, if AJ Brown keeps going where he's gone now, which it's so early, I would much rather AJ Brown than Damian Williams. I mean, not even close. However, you might be getting the 112 for Damian Williams, which get rid of them. Don't worry about next year. Just get rid of them in that range. At the 205, though, you have to think. If we're going to meet in the middle there, I think that's thinking. Uh, J. Mike, we have one more formatted question for you. And then after that, I want to get into some open bar, uh, open bar, open forum here after that. I've been taking notes this whole time, and I've got a lot of good discussion to get into. But last question for you. Ultimately, even if there are no wrong answers, how would you advise managers to a- approach studying this class? Let's say that they're not a film person or an analytics person. Like we were talking to earlier, you're the person that's trying to figure out what to listen to. How are you approaching this class? That, that's a that's a really open question. I like that. So when, when it comes to this class, uh, and again, you don't have to go far from this channel to get get some good information regarding this class and regarding strategy behind this class so debbie owners man uh andrew and dwight do fantastic work for you guys uh, I, i'm excited for what they have to bring for this class i think it's going to be a fantastic time that, that they'll be bringing and, and they bring good information uh, again uh, if you're diving into various podcasts if you're diving into various tools Dynasty Dummies are doing fantastic work. And if you're talking about people who grind film, uh, they do a great job there with the bouncing the numbers, uh, the analytics of, analytics of it all, as well as uh, the actual tape. Uh, we've mentioned Peter Howard multiple times. P- 
Peter, <laughs> between breakout age and, and, you know, I've never heard someone be so rude toward people with their opinion, but be so respected because, uh, I think yep. sometimes he just likes to troll. And, and at the heart of it all, I know he's a fantastic guy. We've had fantastic discussions, but he's someone who, who believes what he believes and he's very strong in it. And he's got a ton of data to be able to back it up. Uh, so, so leaning on those type of folks, um, and I could I could literally list names on and on, uh, but it's finding people, finding uh, voices and finding people who are legitimately doing the work, uh, who are diving in, giving uh, giving a ton of their time, which, again, a lot of us have jobs. A lot of us uh, aren't able to do fantasy 24 seven or, or do it for our nine to five. Uh, but there are a ton of people even with and without nine to fives in terms of in the fantasy realm itself uh, who are putting in fantastic work. So finding those resources. Um, I, like I said, I could just sit here and name a ton, but I, I yeah. won't do that. <laughs> but uh, being able to leverage those, whether it be on Twitter, whether it be on YouTube, whether it be on various websites, uh, and, and seeing what they have to say about it, and even checking their examples and checking their work—the uh, little bit of work, the little bit that you can do to be able to follow up with what people are saying—I think that those are uh, very needed tools to be able to capitalize on gaining an edge as far as the rookie class goes. And you brought up my first portion of this open forum. Uh, Peter, you get your own section. I'm sure you'll love that. Um, so Peter's a great example of what we talked about earlier. Just reach out to people. I was so hesitant to follow Peter because of what you said. He seems like he's so rude to people. He knows it. I mean, we all know it. And I think it's safe to say all three of us, Peter, is one of our favorite people in the Dynasty community. No doubt. Without question. But I did not. I did not know that until I reached out to Peter. Now, if I ever have any obscure question, it's just going to Peter. I had a question about Brexit the other day. <laughs> I went and searched out Peter to talk about Parliament. So Peter's my go-to. <laughs> um, our, our, our greatest Kentuckian that I know, actually. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but you would have never known if you – I could have just said, Peter looks like he's just rude about people's opinions. Never reached out to Peter, and I would have never known, and I would have been way worse at Dynasty. Another example of that, this is just to show you that no matter how big people are, we this is our hobby, this is what we love to do, and even though we're playing against each other, it's this weird thing where even if we're in leagues together, I still, like, I'm in leagues with so many people it wouldn't even be worth keeping track of who I shouldn't help. So I'm going to talk to anyone um, Ryan McDowell is like the dynasty dude, in my opinion. I'm in his DMs all the time <laughs> to ask him questions. And I know he doesn't have time to answer me, but he makes time to answer me. Though All the way up, I mean, we've reached out to some big people that hopefully you get to hear. And uh, this is all just to show you, please, uh, please reach out and get help in this community and you're going to be way better of an owner. If you reach out to one person and you're in a, let's say a, a friends and family league, you're going to win. If you reach yeah. out to any of us, yeah. you're probably, honestly, you probably are. It's kind of like the dynasty command center. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to touch on before it's open, you got Rojo, as I mentioned earlier, I wasn't in on Rojo at all last year. And that's not to say that I had any reason Besides, I didn't like him. Not not saying that I called everything. But my theory is that if enough smart people are screaming it, I'm not just going to take what I know and completely ignore all of them. 
So whereas I avoided Rojo in a lot of leagues, one specific league, I had I got him at a value in an auction. I took him. I wasn't just going to say I'm not going to take him. And uh, it's because a lot of really, really smart people were calling Rojo. Pull two things from that. One, listen to smart people, even if it might go against your opinion. And two, when people are wrong, it's because everyone's wrong all the time. There's way too many players to go ahead and say that uh, you know someone's always right. And lastly, if someone is saying they're always right, which none of us will ever do, we have a dynasty chat with over 40 analysts, and none of them will say that they're always right. And if they are, they're not someone to listen to. Do not ever listen to someone who claims to be always right. Yeah, and I think that's the that's the biggest point. I think that at least I'm taking from this conversation so far is that not only do we need to look at the players specifically to help put them onto our rosters, but it's very much about the process. I mean, we're never going to be right on a specific player until we go through and watch them get out there on Mondays, Thursdays, and Sundays in order to see how they perform on the field. But it's really about the logic and the process that would get us onto that player, like why they should be valued at where they're at, if they're able to produce the way that they either were in college or if there were traits that would get them to the point where we can assume that they would be able to do the things that we see them doing in the NFL. So a lot of it is very much process-oriented because we never know what's going to happen once those players take the field. And so if you're hearing enough smart people and there are enough folks that you trust and you are able to create that network to say that, well, if I'm not 100% sure on a player, I'm going to go talk with I'm going to talk with J-Mike. I'm going to talk with Adam. I'm going to talk with Peter. I'm going to talk with all these people and try and form and try and see what they're saying or what they're seeing to help kind of chip away at my preconceived notions and come up with something that would be a bit better for for my rosters. And that's what we try to do here on this show. I know that's what you guys are trying to do over at the Open Bar, J-Mike, with you and Gabe, because you guys bring in some of the best and brightest every week. And so in between all the cut-ups, in between all the laughter, I know that's that's really the heart of what all of us are trying to do here. So we're trying to find at least some version of the truth that we can use to uh, at least apply to, to our particular rosters. Uh, so, But before we get you out of here, J-Mike, uh, I want to give you the floor real quick and talk about anything that you guys have got going on in the show, anything that you've got going on personally in terms of content that you guys might be heading towards the, this, this offseason. Uh, but I didn't want to keep you too late, but what have you got going on before the draft season really gets into play? So much goodness. Oh, man, so much goodness. Between... <laughs> Between the continuing of the non-point scoring season, between the AAF, go Commanders, Will D, uh, <laughs> between uh, b- between everything that's going on with 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 rookies uh, and everything, I am so excited about this off season. So excited about where all the work that's being and all the quality content that's being pushed out. Uh, in terms of things that I'm a part of right now. Uh, we do have the Dummy Blitz starting back up. So that's the 15-minute edition of the Dynasty Elements podcast that I get to do to be able to bring you the latest comings and goings of everything um, between uh, the actual games that occur, which obviously none of that's going on. But we'll talk through uh, some off-season values. We'll talk through some rookies. We'll talk through a lot of randomness to be able to help you get through once a week, a quick 15 minutes, quick hits, uh, quick blitz through uh, all of those things uh, in the non-point scoring season. Uh, as far as the open bar, uh, you can find it on Twitter at the Open Bar FP. And again, uh, in case you didn't get a clear view at the very beginning of the pod when I talked through it, my co-host Gabe Gearing and I, Gabe's on Twitter at FF Man Bun, and you can uh, essentially see us every Tuesday night, 9:30 p.m. Eastern Time, 
just being able to bring on three different guests usually and and it's not something that's typically pre-planned like they they know that they're on the show together like a week in advance and we don't give show sheets we don't talk through anything that we're going to actually discuss uh we just let it flow we let the conversation happen uh, and that's when a lot of the beauty and the fun happens and you're able to experience that in podcast form uh whether it be stitcher Podbean, google play uh, Apple Podcasts. We're even on Spotify. You can check us on Spotify. Uh, so all, all those d- different avenues. And again, it's a live show on YouTube, 930 Eastern, uh, every Tuesday night. Uh, I'm on Twitter at jmicecheck, at jmiccheck. Uh, and again, I'm one of the people who are happy to interact with you, happy to chop it up with you, happy to help ask you questions and point you to fantastic resources like Dynasty Owner's Manual uh, to be able to help you uh, hone your craft, help you to be able to be someone uh, who's more confident in their dynasty game and even grab leagues and fantastic leagues. So if you're wanting to get into something a little more conventional, I know a few people who can help with that. If you're looking to get into some crazier leagues, I know a guy named John Bosch. He tends to, <laughs> he, he tends to go to bed dreaming of dynasty leagues and crazy creations and trying to figure out how he can make it as hard as he can for other people uh, to have a ton of fun. So uh, again, I'm here to, to try to be able to help facilitate that and, and Again, grateful to you guys for the opportunity to be able to come on. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, we couldn't think about talking about the wonderful folks within the community without talking about the mad scientist John Bosch himself. Uh, that man comes up with some of the wildest leagues. Uh, I think I made a, I put out a tweet earlier this week that somebody could probably get their PhD in studying some of John Bosch's leagues because he just the the twists and turns. I mean, it's almost like the man could come up with he could be a movie director with all the plot twists that he has like within some of his leagues. So. But again, uh, before we get out, again, thank you, uh, J. Mike, for jumping on the show tonight. Adam, do we have anything for the folks before we get on out of here? Yeah, I think episode five was with John Bosch, fifth episode, I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure. And man, that was absolutely intense. Last thing I wanted to mention on this episode, the reason for this episode was to help you sift through the non-point scoring season. It's going to be very difficult for people like us who interview the smart people uh, to figure out who we're supposed to be drafting. There's going, it's going to be hot and heavy. But one way to know who you should be listening to is when people like Peter Howard get called out for uh, one of their processes, they're going to lay it out in an eight-tweet eight thread. That's the type of people that you want to listen to, just so you, just so you know. People that are trying to back it up in a constructive way, just keep a mental note of that and keep listening to those people. Because if you can back it up in, in, a, in a constructive and... Uh, respectful way sometimes maybe not so respectful with peter that's the type of person that's going to get you where you need to go we've got the episode last week with brian malone that was season two episode one cohort report go get it don't forget about debbie owner's manual best ball owner's manual coming up and we've got the swag available at ff underscore outfitters i'm at ap wilde and thank you for listening to episode two and I'm Chris Allen at Chris Allen FFWX. We thank you guys. We thank you, J. Mike, for coming in. Shout out to all the wonderful folks that we were able to mention this evening. And hopefully everybody that does not have a connection to them, go out and search them out. If you find somebody retweeting uh, Excel spreadsheets with conditional formatting, you're probably in the right place for Mr. Peter Howard. So, again, we thank you guys for coming out, and we'll catch you guys next week. The books, kid, read this pamphlet called the Dynasty Owner's Manual. It's automatic. Dynasty. It's automatic. Owner's Manual. It's automatic. Dynasty. It's automatic.